A few years ago, I had an email conversation with someone I thought I knew quite well. I believed until that conversation that he was a Christian. That conversation changed my mind about his faith. It all started with what would normally be a simple question about Jesus. The question my friend asked was this. I thought it was really easy. Is Jesus God? I wish different people would ask me this same question every day because the answer is yes. If somebody asks you that question, that is the simple, straightforward answer, yes. My friend wasn't satisfied with my answer. And I should have known that immediately because he had also said in the email, depending on your answer, I have a follow-up question. His follow-up question was, did Jesus himself say he was God? I downloaded several different Bible passages for him because he wanted the answer from the Bible. He wasn't buying it because he said that specific statement, I am God, was not there. After several exchanges, he said he believed in God, but did not believe that Jesus himself was God. It was other people who said that about him. Those people, whether they were apostles or not, were deceived. He was convinced about his belief that if Jesus himself did not say he was God, then he was not. If Jesus was God, why didn't he just say it? He didn't say it because he was not God. God alone is God. That really was what my friend wanted to get at. People feel good if they can prove to you that you are wrong about the one whom you worship as God. They feel some satisfaction if they can do that. Perhaps some of you have, experience, have had the experience of people who, knowing you are a Christian, have argued with you that Jesus is not God. It can be frustrating since you want people to believe in Jesus and receive, receive eternal life from him. We are Christians, but sometimes we too have questions. That is fine so long as we are not thinking that what we believe about the identity of Jesus is wrong. The questions are helpful if you are seeking to have a better understanding of teachings and revelations we find in the Bible. I think we all know enough from the Bible to understand that it doesn't tell us everything we want to know. Sometimes that leads to speculations. What the Bible teaches us clearly, as we find in John, is that it has been written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. That life is eternal life, which he will bring about at his return. You've probably heard people say something to the effect that if the Bible cannot give clear answers to the simple, straightforward questions they have, then it must not be from God. Or if it is from God, then some things in it just aren't true. In fact, some people have left Christianity for those reasons and joined other religions. Many find out that these other religions do not provide clear answers either to the questions they still have. 
they may find that they are told to look within themselves and they will find the answers. And for some reason, they like that. They miss out on what the Bible teaches, that the answers are outside ourselves in the same Jesus Christ they are rejecting. Perhaps looking inside is affirming to them and makes them feel like they are in control of their own destinies. They don't really need anybody then, maybe not even God, however they may conceive him to be. You know, there are large groups of people who agree with my friend that Jesus was not God, even religious groups that claim they are Christian. I don't know why it makes sense to them to deny the deity of Jesus and still want to be known as Christians. Maybe they like what they have heard and read that he did, but it ends there. They say it is impossible for a human being to be God. So they simply believe that Jesus was a human being that God blessed with special powers to do mighty things, but he is not God and does not and cannot save anybody from sin. If there is such a thing as sin and you feel burdened by it, you have to pay for it yourself. No one can do it for you. In fact, God, to point to God and show people how to be good in order to deserve God giving them eternal life. But that he was not God. At best, God created him first, so he is preeminent among people, but that is it. We find that kind of conversation happening in our reading, the gospel reading. By this time in John's gospel, Jesus had done a few miracles, some of which the opponents had seen, some of which they had not seen. He had performed miracles such as changing water into wine, healing an official son, feeding the 5,000, walking on water. His latest miracle before this conversation was the opening of the eyes of a blind man. They said they were tired of Jesus holding them in suspense and not telling them plainly that he was a Messiah. Now, there were different ideas about whom the Messiah would be and what he would do. But among these was that he would be a powerful king who would free them from their oppressors, reign and rule over them, and give them peace. Jesus' opponents were probably looking for this kind of Messiah. But they were not getting Jesus to say this because his coming was not about politics, not politics as it was then, nor politics as it is today. Jesus did not say plainly that he was the Messiah because they would have misunderstood him. He came as a suffering servant. They were looking for a kingdom that was immediately political and militaristic. Even though Isaiah the prophet had foretold about the suffering servant hundreds of years before, they were not able to figure out when Jesus came. Jesus seemed to be the one by his miracles. But he also seemed not to be the one because he was not confronting the Roman occupiers. He was not doing anything that would indicate that he would get rid of them. So was he or was he not? That was the question. Jesus replied to them that he had told them who he is and they did not believe. He went further, telling them that the works he was doing testified to whom he is so his works were not hidden from them, but they did not believe. They did not believe because they were not his sheep. His sheep know, know him and they follow his voice. You would notice 
that Jesus went from affirming that he is the Messiah to implying that he is God. That was even more shocking and annoying to the religious leaders who had been confronting him over his teachings and especially over those miracles he performed on the Sabbath day. They were convinced that the true Messiah would not break the Sabbath day for whatever reason. Even though Jesus did not say, I am God, he told them, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I don't know how else he could give anybody eternal life if he is not God. The devil uses people to try to sow seeds of doubt in your mind with all kinds of questions to confuse you, to make you refrain from telling others about Jesus, the God who saves from sin and rescues from everlasting condemnation. People will never stop arguing that Jesus is not God, but that doesn't change who he is. He is God. You know that he is God. You are his sheep and he's your shepherd. Nothing and no one can change that. You don't have all the answers you might like to prove that Jesus is at one and the same time God and man. But that is not a deal breaker. It is a faith that is to be confessed. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The apostles confessed by faith that Jesus is God. Jesus did not stop them. People worshipped him as God and he did not reject their worship. We worship him as God because that's who he is. But what if he's not God? What if you and I are wrong that he's God? If we are wrong, then there is no point in being here today. If we are wrong, then there is no point in worshiping him. If we are wrong, what a huge waste of time. All these years, all these centuries that people have worshipped him. If we are wrong, you have no forgiveness of sins. You have to pay for your sins somehow. You have to answer God for everything you've said and done throughout your life. Not even the negative thoughts that cross your mind will be glossed over. You owe a debt to God and you are on your own. Nothing you ever do can get you out of that day of reckoning before God. And that day of reckoning will come. I recently looked at an interesting study by Pew Research. It reports that 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven. Heaven is defined as a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. 58% believe in hell, defined as a place where people who have led bad lives and die without being sorry are eternally punished. Among Christians, 85% believe in heaven and 70% believe in hell. 89% of Muslims believe in heaven and 76% believe in hell. What was really surprising to me was that the percentage of atheists who believe in heaven and hell were not 0% and 0%. There were 5% and 3% respectively. I wonder what kind of heaven 
or hell they believe in. The report did not give a breakdown by denominations, but by people accepting the definition of heaven as being for those who have led good lives and hell for those who have led bad lives, it is clear that people are depending on their own works for what happens to them on the last day. I don't know why 100% of Christians don't believe in heaven and why those who believe in hell are only 70%. Well, what if Jesus is not God? We will be left depending on our good works as our passports to heaven to save us from everlasting condemnation. I don't know how much good works you will have to do to merit heaven, but I'm convinced that the respondents to the survey did not think they would have 100% good works. If such is the case, who would make up the difference? That is a question that would arise if Jesus were not God. Jesus said the works he was doing in the Father's name testify about him. No mere human being can do any of the works Jesus did by his own powers or abilities. Those who performed miracles before and after Jesus were given power to do so by God. Not so Jesus. He performed the miracles by his own power. He did not have to make the specific statement, I am God, to prove that he is God. He gives eternal life to those who believe in him. He gives eternal life to you. That's a certainty. No mere human being can do that. The one who alone, since his conception, is both God and man, who came to die to pay for your sins and mine, will do what he has promised, 100%. The one who did not remain dead in his grave, but rose victorious from that grave, knows that you hear his voice. You believe in him. You trust him. The question, what if he's not God, does not even need to arise. You are his sheep. He is your shepherd. He is preserving you in the faith. He wants us to know that he is not alone in doing this. So he says, I and the Father are one. He did not mean there is no distinction between him and the Father. They are distinct persons, but they are perfectly united in the one purpose, one action in what they do. What Jesus does, the Father does, and vice versa. What can we say in response to such a great love from the author and perfecter of our faith? But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen.